This is a Capricorn FM podcast. This grade 12 lesson is proudly brought to you by the Department of Education in partnership with Capricorn FM. Working together, we can do more, providing quality education. Thank you. Hello, grade 12, 2020 learner. This is Mr. Machino an educator from Chipakon Secondary School, who is going to assist you with paper two where today's topic is an essay that we are going to look at the crisis of apartheid, how international anti-apartheid movements tried to force pressure to the apartheid regime to end its policies. So the first thing that I would like to to look at is to read the the instruction information properly where the section will be composed by six questions, three source-based and three SA questions, where you have to answer the questions as follows. At least one must be source-based question and another must be ESA. So the third question may either be a source-based or an ESA. You are advised to spend at least one hour per question. When answering the question, you should apply your knowledge, skills, and insight. You will be disadvantaged by merely reproducing the sources. So number the answers correctly according to the number ring system used in the question paper, right, clearly, and legible. So the last lesson will be on the 10th, 11, 2020, still the same time at Capricorn, where I will be presenting the rate, the road to democracy, together with the impact of the collapse of USSR to the future of South Africa. Your essay must meet the basic requirements, where it must have an introduction, and your introduction must not be an introduction from any sample, but it must be an introduction for the question on the day. You must also use some keywords from the questions. I will make some examples by questions that I have taken from the previous question paper. Your essay must also have body that must compose by paragraph. Each and every paragraph must be expressing at least an idea. And there must be a conclusion where you will be summarizing, tying up your essay. So before you start to write, try to unpack the question. Read the question and try to check which stand that you are to take. Whether you want to agree or disagree with the question or whether you want to take a line of argument that will say to a greater or to a lesser extent very much important than us. So also refer to P, P-E-E-L, which simply means that you must make a point or take your line of argument, indicating which side you are going to defend. You must also explain your tense. You must also provide evidence. And you must also try to remember to link your paragraphs. So I said that I will also look at the following. Do not use subheadings. 
when you are writing your essay. Just write while we are reading. We'll be able to understand what is it that you are writing about. Do not use bullet forms. Use paragraphs, as I've already indicated. Ensure that you write in full sentence. Don't use the language that you are using in liquid because this is a formal work. Do not forget to sustain your line of argument throughout the essay. And when we say do not forget to sustain your line of argument, I'm simply trying to say you must try to answer the question in each and every paragraph. You must try to answer the question. Don't just reproduce the content. So the content that I'm going to cover today are the following. I will look at the four boycotts, which are sports boycotts, cultural boycotts, academic boycott, and also consumer boycott. And I will also look at sanctions, disinvestment, release Mandela campaign, international trade union, frontline state, and lastly, conclusion. And when I will be explaining about the content that I said that it is supposed to be covered, you must bear in mind that the most important thing here is to prove as to how various forms of resistance that were used by anti-apartheid movement were successful in forming, enforcing the apartheid regime to end its policies. So in your introduction, you must try to write an introduction that identifies the key issues you need to cover in your arguments. The issue of sanction, for example, here we look at the first question, where the question will say the issue of sanction was the most important external factor that led to the diminution of the apartheid regime in South Africa in the 1980s. So check at the question. It says the most important external factor. So it means that if you stand, you take a stand of agreeing, it means that you must only write about sanctions. So what you must do is to disagree with the statement. And you may write it as follows. I disagree with the statement that issue of sanction was the most important external factor that led to the ending of apartheid in South Africa. There were various other factors such as cause disinvestment to mention the few that also assisted in ending apartheid. So if you listen to the stand that I've guided you to take is to disagree, but you also indicate that sanction also played a role, but it was not there only imported factor, as there were other imported factors. So the second question reads as follows. Explain to what extent the international community condemnation of our inventory 1989. It is saying to what extent. It means that you must try to indicate that the international community condemnation of apartheid was successful to a greater extent in dismantling 
nationalist rule in South Africa between 1970 and 1989. The anti-apartheid movement used various forms of resistance like boycotts, international trade unions, etc., to give pressure to the apartheid government to end its policies. I, in this question, I guided you that you mustn't say agree because the question said to what extent. So when you say to a greater extent, it means that it was there. Various factors were successful. So the last question that I would like to give you, read as follows. Boycott, sanctions, and disinvestment by international anti-apartheid organization had a negative effect on the apartheid regime in the 1980s. Explain to what extent. So if you listen to this question, it's also the same as the question above, about but the difference is only that here they've mentioned some other forms of resistance. So again here, you must indicate that to a greater extent, but you must also indicate that there are other omitted factors, like, for example, release Mandela campaign, frontline state, that also contributed. So when you write your essay, you must try to be very tactful learners when you look at this question. So you must give us a brief background about the formation of the anti-apartheid movement. So take note of this one, a brief background, because there is no need for you to go and write a paragraph about the formation of anti-apartheid movement in Britain and later on a paragraph about the formation of anti-apartheid movement in Ireland. So just try to squeeze it in one paragraph. It's like the example that I will give you, a group of South African exiles met in London to call for the boycott of an import of fruits from South Africa and also cigarettes. And this initiated the formation of anti-apartheid movement in Britain. And later on, it was also formed in Ireland, engineered by Kada Asman. So both movements set the stage to give pressure to the African apartheid regime to end their policies. So if you try to understand here, when we say that you will be responding to the question, you must try to indicate in each and every paragraph how the anti-apartheid movement tried to give pressure to the apartheid regime, where the first one, I will look at the four boycotts, where the first one, I will look at sport, where white had an excellent access to sports facilities based on the racial policies that were used during that time. And the South African national teams were formed by whites. And because it was only formed by whites, they were banned from taking part or participating in international competition, such as World Cups, 
where we have a cricket team, a rugby team, and a soccer team banned. The South African national teams were also banned from taking part in Olympic Games. The South African national teams were also banned to take part in Commonwealth Games. What are Commonwealth Games? These are games that were played by Commonwealth countries, which were, which refers to Britain and their former colonies. And the Commonwealth countries are in Lean Eagle agreements where they agreed that they must no longer play against South Africa. All the Commonwealth countries must be immoral to play against South Africa. When Springbok team visited Britain in the 1970s, the anti-apartheid movement organized the Stop 70 tour that aimed at disrupting the matches. And they were very much successful as most of the matches were cancelled. In 1971, HALT, which stands for HALT All the Racial Tours, a protest action against the racist Springbok tour to New Zealand and the games the game was no longer played. By the late nineteen eighties, South Africa was banned from a ninety from about ninety percent of world sports. And um, we have the South African Council of Sports, SACOS, which launched its slogan, No Normal Sport in Abnormal Society where locally they were trying to say that South Africa should not be admitted in international sports until the apartheid regime should end their policies of discrimination. So AM targeted white sportsmen and women so that they must turn to their government and request their government to end apartheid. That is how the message should reach the government. AAM also targeted apartheid regime to cripple its economy as a way of putting pressure to bring about change. When South Africa was hosting international competition, South Africa was given a lot of money by the international body to organize. And when those stage games were staged enough, South Africa, when people were going to their stadium or whatever venue that was used, they were paying a lot of money, where the government will also get some money. So if I'm using the first question that I've read, I must sustain a line of arguments again by indicating that it is an evidence that sanctions were not the only important factor that played a role to end apartheid, exports boycott also contributed. So the second boycott that I'm going to look at is the cultural boycott, where by cultural boycott it simply means that our cultural activities in South Africa were no longer allowed to be performed outside South Africa. And cultural activities outside South Africa were no longer allowed to be performed in South Africa. So in applying cultural boycott, the British Actors Union Equity will only allow their members to come and perform in South Africa if there will be mixed audience, which means that the people who will be watching should be both black and white, which unfortunately was against the Separate Immunity Act, 
which means that for the South African government to allow that, the government must first repeal the Separate Amenities Act, which will be a way of bringing in reforms. Artists from South Africa were no longer allowed to perform outside South Africa. We have got some city casino that used to call famous singers like Frank Sinatra, Queen, Millie Jackson, and Elton John, who will come and perform here in South Africa. And uh, they generate a lot of money to the Sun City Casino, where the government also benefited from the royalties that they will collect from their gay takings. So um, with the ban, it means that South Africa is also suffering economically. The sale of the British TV material was also prohibited, which means that SABC was isolated in that to only have to broadcast the local event. American television companies like the Viacom also placed a ban on sending TV material to SABC, which was a blow to their apartheid regime. So here, the people who were targeted by anti-apartheid movement were white artists and actors who should in turn try to force their government to end apartheid. Like what I've already indicated, anti-apartheid movement also targeted apartheid regime to cripple its economy as a way of putting pressure on the apartheid government to end apartheid. It is again an evidence that sanctions were not the only important factor that played a role to end apartheid as cultural boycott also contributed. So the next item that I will look at is academic, where there were other people outside South Africa who were arguing that South African universities were against apartheid which is not correct. If you still remember when we were dealing with the black consciousness, we were spoken about NUSA, which was a multiracial organization that allowed the black students to be hosted in King Williamstown, whereas the white students were accommodated in their hotels next to their university. So that was not correct. So local students were no longer allowed to be admitted in universities outside South Africa. The academic boycott deprived South African scholars information needed to do research. In South Africa, during the time of our study, there were no research institutions. So students have to go outside and do research outside there. South African students were also banned to attend international university conferences that help as an interaction between the local university and the universities outside South Africa. So Trinity College in Ireland went to the extent of refusing leave of absence for its staff who were intending to visit South Africa. International publishers refused to publish manuscripts from South Africa, which is also a blow to the South African government because by then we didn't have publishers in South Africa. Books were published outside South Africa, then we come back to South Africa. 
sold to South Africa, the government will also gain by getting tax from the sale of those books. We people targeted by the anti-apartheid movement here were white students and also white authors who were expected to force their government to bring about changes. Anti-apartheid movement also targeted apartheid regime economically, as I've already indicated that the government will lose an income. So this is served as an evidence that sanctions were not the only important factor that played a role to end apartheid. As academic also played an important contribution to end apartheid. So the next item that I will look at is the consumer boycott where anti-apartheid movements succeeded to encourage the public in their own countries not to buy the South African products. And not all the people in Britain supported their boycott because some companies were making a lot of money and they tried to justify that the boycott will also affect the blacks that people were trying to assist. So anti-apartheid movement here also targeted the white farmers and also the white farmers who were producing their goods that were imported to their foreign countries. And these white farmers will also have to reduce the number of workers as they will no longer be generating income and the majority of the workers will be blacks, who will also intensify their local resistance as they will be retrenched because of their apartheid regime. So anti-apartheid movement also targeted their apartheid regime economy as a way of putting pressure to the apartheid regime. And it is also an evidence that sanctions were not the only important factors that played a role to end apartheid as consumer also played an important role. So the next item that I'll try to look at is about sanctions, where we have the Desmond Tutu, who also calls for the implementation of sanctions against South Africa. And Butelezi tried to counter him by indicating that it will also affect the blacks. And in struggle, people normally say that there will be some casualties that will take place along. So in 1986, the U.S. Congress banned all new investments in South Africa. Britain did no longer sell armaments to South Africa. The Limpopo Department of Education believes that education is the key to overcoming poverty. As a result, we have partnered with Capricorn FM to bring radio lessons to all grade 12 learners in Limpopo. Starting on Monday, 17 August, tune in and catch expert teachers as they present life lessons for an hour. From Monday to Friday between 5 and 6 p.m. on Just Drive and again on Saturday and Sunday evenings between 6 and 7 p.m. on the Royal Movement and the Afterglow, respectively. Limpopo Department of Education, working together, we can do more, providing quality education. Thank you, sir.
Lena's letters that are fresh from sanction as I was interrupted while I was still presenting it. So I said that two two calls for the implementation of sanctions against South Africa, where it was opposed by Buteles, who indicated that the people who suffer most because of sanctions will be will be blacks. And in history people are saying when there is a struggle, there should be casualties that cannot be avoided. So in 1986, U.S. Congress banned all the new investments to South Africa, which means that no more companies that were allowed to come and start business in South Africa. Britain did no longer sell armaments to the South African government, which was a blow to the apartheid regime because they needed armaments to fight against their liberation movements. Ireland did no longer buy coal from South Africa. Anti-apartheid regime economy was crippled by the sanctions that were implemented as a way of trying to force their government. And in this one, you must indicate that the sanction, though it was not the only important factor, but it also played a role in ending apartheid in South Africa. So the next one, I will try to look at disinvestment. So let me also advise you, Leonard, if you say disinvestment and sanction concurrently, the danger that you are running to is that you may deliberate on what. So take them independently as they are. Talk about sanction later on. Talk about disinvestment. Disinvestment simply means forcing the companies out that were coming, that were having businesses in South Africa to pull out their businesses. So demonstrations were made by anti-apartheid movement in their own shops to the respective companies that have businesses in South Africa, trying to give them pressure to withdraw their business. And some of the companies were not ready to withdraw their business because of the profit that they were making. And they tried to justify that some of the people in South Africa are their relatives who may also suffer. So anti-apartheid movement also encouraged the government to tax the companies who were having business in South Africa to be taxed twice. So it means that they must suffer from double taxation, where they will have to be taxed in South Africa and also taxed in Britain if the company is coming from Britain in an effort to force the company to withdraw so we also have what we call Sullivan Principles, which states that all companies operating in South Africa who were coming outside South Africa must treat their workers equally. They must treat their workers equally, which was very difficult for the company to treat workers equally in a country where such events does not exist. So um, the anti-apartheid movement succeeded to a greater extent 
in this case because about 200 companies pulled out of South Africa with Barclays Bank, General Motors, and others. So if you look at these 200 companies, how many people that were employed by those companies? So many people who lost their jobs, who automatically, internally, we also try to give pressure to their apartheid regime to end their policies. We also look at the withdrawing of those 200 companies. Let us also try to check how much money in terms of tax that the government lost, a lot of money. So this was an evidence that it was not only sanctions that played an important role in the end of apartheid, but this investment also contributed to a greater extent as the economy of the country suffers rent loss value. And the next one, I will look at the efforts that were done by the anti-apartheid movement in an effort to force the apartheid regime to release Mandela from prison. So at first, the anti-apartheid movement requested or influenced the UN to request the apartheid regime to release Mandela and other political prisoners. And the UN, which is the United Nations, the highest keeping, the highest body to keep peace in the world, also requested the apartheid regime to release Mandela, which was a pressure from the international body that also calls for sanction. There were also songs that were created by so many artists that were leading for the release of Mandela. We also have Jerry Denny and Dali Tambo who formed an organization called Artists Against Apartheid that organized a concert in Wembley Stadium that was looking at the release of Mandela as a theme. And so many famous singers were called. And when we talk about Wembley Stadium, Lennox, I'm talking about the stadium, which is like an FNB in South Africa, that was not used for every event. So by allowing them to host the concert about the release Mandela, it shows that the government of Britain also was taking it very seriously, but the apartheid regime must release Mandela. When they organized that concert, they raised the money, and the money was given to ANC in order to try to strengthen its own struggle against the apartheid regime. The anti-apartheid movement also tried to encourage their famous universities in Europe to give Mandela an honorary degree, where he's considered as a prisoner in South Africa, but will be given an honorary degree, which is given to people who have made a positive contribution within their communities.
and Mandela was given those honorary degrees. And some of the streets in foreign countries were also named after Mandela, which was a serious challenge to the apartheid regime, which proves that it was not only sanctions that played an important role in the diminution of apartheid. We also have the release Mandela campaign. And this one, Lennart, also have its own roots with immediate effect because due to the pressure that was given by the anti-apartheid movement when Declare came to power on his first speech on 2nd February 1990, shocked the world when he announced the unbanning of the liberation movement and also the release of the political prisoners whom we have started to release, including Mandela, was also released, which means that the anti-apartheid movement, through the release of Mandela, managed to reap their fruits. So I'm going to look at the International Trade Union. International Trade Union simply means Association of Workers, Association of Workers that were found outside South Africa. So let me give you, Lenas, the background of our situation in South Africa during that time. Black trade unions were not allowed in South Africa, and they were not recognized, as it will be against the Calabar Act that reserved job, better jobs for whites. Blacks were given unskilled jobs with low wages, and also working under bad conditions and working long hours. So when we look at Britain and Ireland, they had democracy long before, and the labor movement enjoyed recognition and also for the black people. So TUC, as one of the greatest trade unions in Britain, felt that it's time but they must try to give pressure to the uh, South African regime in order to bring about changes where they must recognize and register their black trade unions. So the question then asks will be, how did they manage to do that? Number one, they requested their government to intensify sanctions against South Africa. Number two, they also intensified their pressure to companies in their own countries who have business in South Africa to disinvest, to pull out their businesses. And they succeeded because I've already indicated that about 200 companies withdraw. They also requested their members not to help, which means that their members were not allowed to sell South African products that were sold in their own country, which was very much effective. So maybe you may ask yourself a question, why an employee may not sell their product? As long as the employee has been given mandate by the trade union, the employer cannot do anything to that employee. So TUC also visited South Africa to do a local inspection where they wanted to see exactly what was 
taking place in South Africa. When they arrive here, they find that really the black workers were on there receiving aid. They were working long hours, paid low salaries, working under bad conditions, and their rights were not taken into consideration. So when they went back, they intensified their struggle against their apartheid regime and forced their government to intensify sanctions, forced companies to pull out of Africa, and their actions also had fruit because the South African government recognized the black trade unions and also intends to register their black trade unions. Unfortunately, some of the black trade unions refused to be registered with the government because they were afraid that they will be controlled by their government. But we have got COSATU as a federation. A federation is an organization that is formed by many trade unions. COSATU was the first in 1985 to register with their government and other Black trade unions also started to register, which is a victory on the side of the anti-apartheid movement, which is evident that it was not only sanctioned that played an important role as international trade union also forced the apartheid regime to scrap the Calabar Act, and they started to treat the workers equally which was previously requested by the Saluvian principle. So the next item that I'm going to look at are frontline states, where here I'm going to look at the countries who were neighboring South Africa, which are Zambia, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, to mention the few that are bordering South Africa, who were also against apartheid. We have Julius Nyerere from Tanzania, who also requested the British to implement their sanctions against South Africa. So a further external pressure on the South African government was the support of the frontline states for the liberation of their South African Liberation Movement. So their main role was to support the South African Liberation Movement by giving them a place to recite, train, so that they can attack the apartheid regime. So these states were in a bad position because they were dependent on South African economy. So they cannot give South Africa more pressure as they will also be punished. Most of the workers who were working on the mines were also coming from their neighboring states, which means that they've got a very less impact, except to give those organizations an opportunity to train in their own countries. The frontline states also tried to form SADC, which was an economic win. So trying maybe that they will be independent from the 
South African economy. So the next item is very much important, which is a conclusion where you are expected to summarize, to tie up all that we have mentioned above. So the first thing that you must try to indicate in your conclusion is how the anti-apartheid movement were formed in Britain and Ireland. And you must also try to indicate that the question was focusing on sanction as the most important factor, which you tried to indicate with evidence that it was not the only factor there were other factors that played an important role where you can just give some examples like disinvestment and also boycotts that were implemented. You must also indicate the results, the overall results of all the forms of resistance. Number one, you must indicate that the apartheid government was forced to repeal some of the apartheid laws. For example, they were forced to do away with the Separate Amenities Act due to the Salusian principle. They were also forced to do away with the Calabar Act due to the International Trade Union. You must also indicate that the economy of the country suffered. And you must also indicate that rent also lose value. And you must also indicate that there was recession, the time when the economy of the country was not doing well because of the various forms of resistance that were implemented to the apartheid regime, and you must also indicate that when declared came to power, he realized that he cannot sustain the government with the apartheid continuing. So he shocked the world by announcing that he is going to unbend the political organization. He is also going to release the political prisoners, which he did, which signals the end of apartheid, which signals the end of apartheid. With few minutes remaining, let me try to look at what I'm going to do during the next lesson, because I'm going to deal with two essays. So I will be looking at the road to democracy and also the collapse of USSR and its impact on the future of South Africa. Let me try to explain to you, learners, especially about the collapse of USSR. There are most of you who will spend time writing about the background information. The question here is not how USSR collapsed but it's the its impact. So don't waste much time by explaining the meaning of glasnot, by explaining prestonica, by explaining detente, by explaining democratization. 
that we have to do is just to give a background that an attempt by Khrushchev to improve the economic aspect within Russia or within USSR yielded a negative result that resulted in the collapse of USSR. And it had an impact on the future of South Africa. Then you will be able to look at how it affected ANC, how it affected the National Party, what impact does the collapse of the Berlin Wall had on the future of South Africa, what impact does the Battle of Quito Carnival has on the impact of on the future of South Africa. Hoping that you are being assisted by this lesson learners. We will meet next time at the same time. So try by all means to tune on to Capricorn for other learning areas that will be presented. I indicated that we will meet again on the 10th of November where we will be looking at the two essays, the road to democracy and the collapse of USSR and its impact on the future of South Africa. Goodbye, learners. We will meet next time. Thank you. This Grade 12 lesson was proudly brought to you by the Department of Education in partnership with Capricorn FM. Working together, we can do more, providing quality education. That was a Capricorn FM podcast. For more podcasts, visit capricornfm.co.za.